In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review, for the week ending April the 15th, members of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association have been in Washington, D.C. this past week for their annual legislative conference. And during the conference, they heard from Ambassador Michael Froman, U.S. Trade Representative, who stressed the cost of inaction on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. What TPP is about, with 12 countries representing 40% of the global economy, it's about opening other markets for our exports. We're already an open economy. Our average applied tariff is 1.4%. 80% of what we import from TPP countries already comes in duty-free. And we don't use regulations like sanitary and phytosanitary standards as a disguised barrier to trade. But when we look around this region and the rest of the world, we face tariffs of up to 50% on beef, 40% on poultry, and we face countries that do use regulations as a barrier to trade, and TPP will eliminate or greatly reduce those tariffs and ensure that as countries regulate, as their tariffs come down, they don't replace them with non-tariff barriers. And so this is critically important. This is a region that is going to have 3.2 billion middle-class consumers by 2030. And the first thing the middle-class consumers want is more protein, higher quality food, more nutrition in their diet. And that means products grown, raised here in the United States. Uh, Made in America, grown in America, raised in America is a great brand in this region. It's what consumers want. And we don't want to be shut out of these markets by other countries who are already uh, negotiating or have negotiated trade agreements. And we'll get the access to these markets at our expense. And we don't want the rules of the road to be set by other countries who may not share our interests and our values. So there's a lot here at stake economically as well as strategically. These countries want us to be involved in their lives. They want our engagement. And as a specific power, we want to be engaged. It's a key part of our rebalancing strategy towards Asia. Uh, TPP is a critical component of that. Uh, we're here today to talk mostly about ag issues, but the same thing could be said on manufacturing and on services. This is a, a, an agreement that is good for every part of the U.S. economy and will help promote more exports, and those exports support good-paying jobs here in the United States. In other news, thanks to a bountiful Vidalia onion crop, the Georgia Department of Agriculture has set Monday, April 25th, as the official pack date for Vidalia onions. Georgia Commissioner of Agriculture Gary Black explains why April 25th was chosen. The suggestions have changed the rules a couple of years ago. We took input from all the growers and uh, the Vida Union Committee and the Business Council and trying to find out is there, is there a way that we could have something that's standard. And so the suggestion did arise that uh, it would be the Monday of the last full week of April each year, and that would hit pretty much a long tradition, but it would also you know give us a solid and a firm date for all growers to be able to shoot for, towards. And and really come back to the question, what's the date that we can have the best quality onion on the market and it would be consistent? And uh, took uh, input from retailers and growers, and and so that's where that last full Monday of April came from, and that's part of the rule now, and we really feel like it's uh, it's it's going to serve us well this year. Well, the burrower bug is a silent peanut pest that eats away at profits, and according to a story from Tyron Spearman, it's a pest that has a few producers concerned. This past week, Mark Abney talked to the peanut farmers about the problem with the burrow bug. The burrow bug is a silent peanut pest that eats away at profits and has some Georgia producers concerned. It's also been seen in Alabama and in South Carolina. They said that the burrow bug 
can wreak havoc on a farmer's peanuts without him even knowing it. The insect feeds on the peanut kernel inside the pod, which decreases peanut quality and makes it difficult to find. It's difficult to monitor because they live under the ground and damage goes unseen until it is too late. Abney also said the not all fields are high risk for that burrow bug and damage varies significantly from year to year. He said the bugs thrive on dry conditions and in fields planted under conservation tillage. On irrigated peanuts and deep till, he said, the risk of the burrow bug decreases dramatically. That's the reason we are seeing a lot of farmers deep plow this year their peanut land. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Ag Den. With this week's Georgia Grown Moment, here's Nathan Wilson. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, Tony Page of Heritage Trading LLC discusses market trends that influenced his decision to open a full-service vegetable farm and market in Canton, Georgia. About three years ago, I saw a need for more local farm-grown vegetables in our area, and it seemed to be a big trend going to that. People are uh, really making a push now. I think they're, they're learning that local grown is a lot fresher and basically straight from our fields to their table. Tony talks about the ways in which joining the Georgia Grown program was a natural complement to Heritage Trading's marketing strategy. You know, I researched it and saw the fact that what they're promoting goes hand in hand with what my desire was in starting this little farm. Since we became a part of it early this year, the response has been well. I actually had four or five privately owned restaurants and markets that have uh, contacted me about supplying vegetables to them. For more information about Heritage Trading and Canton, check out their page on Facebook or visit their business profile at georgiagrown.com. This is Nathan Wilson reminding you that if it's not local, it's not Georgia Grown. Kathy Isom tells us about a new project underway aimed at saving bees and other pollinators. Without bees, there would be no berries, fruits, vegetables, almonds, and other tree nuts. But since the 1960s, bee colonies have decreased dramatically, from 5 million back then to just over 2.5 million today, according to the USDA. Scientists aren't certain, but suspect climate change, pesticides, disease, and habitat as contributing factors for the loss. A new project by the American Farmland Trust is hoping to turn things around. They're enlisting the help of farms in Michigan that will enhance and protect the flowering plants and nest sites that pollinators feed on year-round. The AFT will pay for the cost of such practices by allowing them to achieve pollinator credits that can be sold to businesses that depend on bees, such as food companies. The AFT is hoping to eventually bring the program to other areas. To learn more, search action.farmland.org on the web. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder explains why egg prices are not expected to decline. You know, you never know what a price of a dozen eggs will be until you get to the grocery store. Prices may vary a few cents from one region to another, but overall, since 2004, they have gone upward. There's more than one factor that affects what you pay. Seasonal demand is one. Feed prices is another. But the strongest contributing factor was the outbreak of avian flu that began in 2014, lasted until June of last year. Farmers were forced to destroy some 33 million laying hens. That's over 10% of the whole laying fleet in America. That resulted in a price increase that averaged 14%. Those lost hens have not been replaced yet, not totally. So that tells you that you need not look for any price decrease this year. Next year? Well, maybe. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. You can hear those reports and more from this past week on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.